Welcome to another episode of RTFM, the RPG Book Club podcast. I just got back from driving two and a half hours, so I have no fun intro, but we're going to talk about a game book. I'm Aaron. Wow. Wow. This, this is my energy. <laughs> I'm, I'm Max, uh, and I, I remain Max, and um, I'm in a really weird mood because I am, we're going to talk about a dark, a dark and sometimes hard book. But I just found out that I'm adopting a cat, a kitten tomorrow, so I'm super hype, which is the wrong energy to bring to the conversation about this book. So it's going to get weird, friends. Um, but I've now seen we a photo have... of this kitten, and it is the cutest thing in the world. The I just want to kitten. Oh, she's the best. Um, so it's going to be weird. It's a weird energy to bring to this episode. But we also today have returning to us Natalie Zena Walshot's uh, author extraordinaire Ooh. introduce yourself let people know where you're at sure hi i am uh, natalie zina walshot i am in toronto for the time being um i wrote a book called hench which is about you know, the people who work for supervillains and how it's a really terrible job uh it comes from a very real place um and i am working on slash almost finished i hope a sequel um which i am also pretty amped about but that's me and mostly what I do with my life. I'm, I'm very boring. Also, Hench is so good. And if you haven't read it yet, you should read it. And I have, I've said this directly to Natalie's face many times over the course of Hench starting to exist and then becoming a real thing in the world. It's legit good. It's not friend good. So I can tell everybody that it is legitimately amazing, not just because Natalie is a friend of mine. Possibly the finest compliment I have ever received. <laughs> I'm not just saying this because I love you. It's actually yeah. good and everyone should read it. Well, I'm sure everyone who listens to this podcast knows this, but like if Max doesn't like something, you know. <laughs> Im- immediately That's the basis of this podcast. And in detail. Right. And it's it's great. Right. Like I, I, as a person with anxiety, find it like a great relief to be like, ah, I this person will not bullshit me if they do not like something. I will be aware of it and I'll know exactly why. And I find that very restful. So it is it is an incredible compliment to know that you enjoyed my my weird book about about spreadsheets and and quantum mechanics and uh, what it's like to get dangled over a vat of acid for not meeting your KPIs. Just a normal normal Tuesday. Super normal book, yeah. Uh, uh, speaking of books that Max does not like, <laughs> wow. <laughs> today we are discussing Bluebeard's Bride. Uh, it is a role-playing game by Whitney Strix Beltran, Marissa Kelly, and Sarah Richardson. It's published by Magpie Games. Maybe in 2017, there's no year, copyright year, in the PDF that I have. But that was when the page was created on Drive-Thru RPG. Uh, by the way, anti-sponsorship. Fuck Drive-Thru RPG. I was trying to buy this book there, <laughs> and I failed. And I'm so sorry if the authors ever hear this. I had to pirate a PDF because I didn't have time to go out and buy one. And I was trying to just give them the money and drive through was not working. And so I'm very mad. I will buy a copy. I promise when I can. Um, But also a reminder to other people, put the year you published a book in the book, just in case it's on a cool podcast. Um, I believe that is is right. I'm pretty sure that is also the year that the Kickstarter ran. Oh, excellent. 2017. So I I believe you're correct. I will double check that for you. 2017-ish. It's a part by the Apocalypse game. 
we did an episode on Apocalypse World. You can listen to that if you need to know more about that. Um, up front, this is a horror game. Big content warnings in this book for sure uh, for violence uh, explicitly described, gaslighting, um, sexual assaults, uh, all sorts of body horror stuff. Um, Everything bad really could come right. up. Right. It, it is a horror game, psychological, physical. I, we're not, I'm not like, I'm so excited to talk about blood, but. I am, but. <laughs> yeah, probably also me. Uh, but yeah, like just a heads up. I don't, we have not really laid out what we're going to talk about, but mm-hmm. if that's a kind, if you're not in a place to listen to that right now, feel free to turn this off. Skip the episode. Come back later if you're feeling up to it. Um, I'm also not sure if I'm going to read them, but there are some parts of the book that are difficult to read and or say out loud so if like descriptions of explicit body horror violence inclusive of like like in there are intense descriptions of sexual violence in this yes. book yeah. um which i'm gonna talk about so much but uh but i'm probably not gonna actually read them but they are in there so they probably will mm-hmm. come up in the if we read any parts of the book it might be a little bit more descriptive than we often get i yeah. feel and we'll try to mention them ahead of time, like as we start to dive into them. But again, feel free to tap out. Feel free to come to this when you feel comfortable with it. And if you never feel comfortable with it, that's fine. The world is a wild place. You don't need to find that in your entertainment as well. Uh, <laughs> which might be. Sometimes you just don't need that energy in your life. Right. Yeah. That might be a theme of this episode. We'll get into it. <laughs> Arguably, um... I never want this energy in my life. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, High-level description, Uh, the players all play aspects of a single bride of the murderer of women known as Bluebeard. Um, You are promised to him in marriage, and you're about to get down to that marriage, and he says, oh, gotta go, I'll be right back. Feel free to look around, but don't go in this one room. Here's the keys to all the rooms, including the one I told you not to go into. (laughs) Good luck. Uh, <laughs> and then the the bride, played by all the characters uh, as kind of aspects of her psyche, go through this horrible house and kind of discover the history of Bluebeard's uh, violence against women and kind of have to decide if you're going to be a faithful wife or escape or a few other options. Um, does that seem right? Natalie, that seems, that seems right. I will. I will add that there yes. is a um, storyteller type role, uh, or a uh, like. I hesitate to say GM, but there is the role of the groundskeeper, um, who is sort of helping with. Uh, place descriptions and playing NPCs and it, it is not a um, it's an asymmetrical game in that way where there is a groundskeeper who is kind of like uh, who has data the other players do not and would you uh, say that maybe they have data issues <laughs> I think they uh, wow I think this I mean this might be a bit boo also but yeah, uh, I think I've been on the road for <laughs> two and a half hours it's fine I for, I forgive you this time um, but I think I think that there's uh, because this is so much about keeping things from the players um, it is unlike a lot of games I think a game that is harder to play once you've been in that role 
than not. Um, like I wouldn't say that it's it's ruined for you or anything, but it is a very, very different experience um, once you have played in that role. And, and I is... think that's deliberate, um, but it is for sure like a thing to consider. Yeah, it's almost explicitly it with in a very bounded way, mm-hmm. like an adversarial relationship. Um, yes, in a Which way that it... a lot of modern games are like, don't do this. Right. This it... game is like, you should do this. Here are some rules for doing it well. Yes, and I think that that's. I think the fact that it. Um, I think the fact that it does that in a world where we're kind of increasingly moving away from that kind of that exactly that adversarial relationship um and in general i i actively dislike that but i think it's narratively weaponizing that position in some really interesting ways um also some very troubling ones and uh, (laughs) i think possibly more than any other game i have played in my life uh you have to trust every person at the table 100 percent if you are going to play this game i also think whatever that's not well i'll get into this later i'll yeah, i will sure. carry on with the overview overview of the game um, the overview is done i think um yeah. the game does a great job of kind of distributing narrative power between the groundskeeper and the other players um mm-hmm. and ex- expressly empowers players to describe uh certain things that maybe would traditionally be left to the gm Um, And even creates some aspects of like player versus player uh, Mm -hmm. components in a really interesting way. And like in that way kind of takes, even as we say the GM, the groundskeeper is adversarial, also kind of encourages some players to inflict harm on each other uh, for maybe some personal benefit. And I think it does it in, uh, in a smart and interesting way. We might get into that in more detail, but I think... Yeah, just like ways to buttress what Natalie was saying, like spreads these roles around in really interesting ways and in ways where everyone involved could potentially sort of traumatize everyone else involved in a session of this game if you are not following the agendas laid out in the game. Yeah, it's this my my like one liner on how I feel about this game is that it is mechanically so interesting and narratively so uninteresting to me. Oh, interesting. Uh, <laughs> which okay. is a weird, a weird division. I have never divided. I don't think it's possible to like fully make that division. But like commenting on on the, you know the the narrative power structure of the game is really compelling to me. There are a, a couple of mechanics that I think are so clever and so interesting, um, and, uh, but yeah. But how they how they are employed, I do not like. <laughs> but that's, we can we can chat all about that. No, we can sure, get into yeah. that right now. I My favorite. Know. I actually have more notes about this game than any other game that we've played. So oh, while wow. I say Ooh. that, like I don't, I didn't love it. Like I, I wouldn't. I don't think I'd like playing it in any way, shape, or form. But I do think like it's to me, it's a good. It is a good thing that it like involved more. Com- it involves more commentary and thought, and whatever. Right? Like I. Mm-hmm tend to while I'm usually very clear about things that I don't enjoy I also do engage with things I do enjoy through critique so it gets a little muddy in there (laughs) um (laughs) but I love that this one is similar because we did blood feud a couple episodes ago which uh is the the you know that this is monster season and these monsters are both men (laughs) both blood Mm. feud and um bluebeard's bride and it what I think is really funny is this has the same intro which is here's a bunch of words and then 
no, like here, this game is hard. It deals with all these hard topics. It's difficult. It's meant to be and whatever. It's meant to be difficult. We swear it's fun. And then it proceeds to have an entire game book full of wholly unfun things in it. We swear this is fun. No, no, it's fun. I promise. And then here's a hundred pages of just unfun, hard shit. <laughs> Uh, which doesn't mean it can't be fun in the act of play. I just think the intros for both of those books are so funny by like needing it's, it's one of those like, Oh, you're writing to somebody who's not actually into your game, right? Like the people who are coming here to your game probably don't need the, no, no, we swear it's fun. Cause they're signing up for the experience that you've already told them they're going to have, which may or may not be fun. Right. I, like I really feel like that, would not exist like that particular part of the intro for this game anyway i can't i can't speak to blood feud at all but would not exist if it was published in 2022 or 2023 as opposed to 2017 i have a theory that this game would be better if it was not published as a kickstarter by a publishing company and if it was released as a zine right like if this was a personal project i think a lot of the things that i don't like about the game could have been removed but in the attempt to make it mass appealing i think Mm -hmm. it has lost a lot of things and so i would agree with you that i think that like i think part of that is that yes that was you know maybe six years ago but also I think part of it is that like this book was made I think this is a niche game that tried to be tried to be a popular game to get money and I think probably it loses some of its right in that translation yeah Uh, i can't i can't necessarily speak to that at all but i i do think that um generally speaking like more difficult games or challenging games or however you want to kind of think about it or talk about it trust their players more like we've had more examples of like oh this is going to be a really difficult potentially super shitty and even like trauma exploring experience and people being up for that and people kind of demonstrating over and over again that like oh yeah like i i that is actually a thing that i want to do um and i i feel like we've just like seen that happen enough times and seen enough games succeed in the last like five or six or seven years that that intro might not have made it to final draft, right? It's like, you know, actually we do believe that people will play this even if it isn't fun. Yeah. Um, or we'll like think it's fun five minutes after it's over. <laughs> and be like, yeah. you know, and like look at back and be like, oh, I actually like, I'm glad I had that experience or I really like that experience or whatever, or that a very interesting, at least a very interesting thing just happened. Totally. A, yeah. I feel like the yeah the, the the statement for me is like it like should be like no no it has a lot of value not no no it's fun right because yeah, I don't yeah, actually yeah, no, think it's fair. the type of game that is enhanced by trying to umbrella fun over it you know right. like that I think that framing it is like this is going to be fun would make right. so many things in it hella problematic totally <laughs> right? and I guess like, yeah 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 and I guess like I have never. Um, and maybe that's a good segue uh, to the like playing of the game part (laughs) of this which is like I would not ever describe the experience I had playing it as fun but I certainly would describe it as good or like uh, cathartic cathartic um, maybe important but like maybe not like I've definitely had had playthroughs where it was like uh, I that had a deep impact on me versus like oh that was like for sure a like intense thing that happened that I am glad it happened like happened to me um 
And to be clear, I'm a person who really enjoys horror movies. I was going to ask, like, uh, I don't know if we've talked about, Max, do you like horror? Natalie, do you like horror? I'm not a big horror consumer. Oh, I love, I love horror. I love it. Um, I, I make it. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I, I create it sometimes. Um, but also, like, I, I really love it a lot. And uh, I think that, like, I do think that is this is a horror game first and foremost, right? Like, and I I think that um, there are a lot of games that do like other very interesting things with trauma stuff that are not horror games or, you know, things that um, do explore a similar subject matter, whether it's, you know, whether it's particularly gendered violence or like a, a very overtly feminine perspective or do sort of like explorations of different parts of somebody's psyche that are not horror games this is a horror game first and foremost and overtly and kind of over and over again you know and in a lot of different ways right there are very intense body horror descriptions the house you are in as as players slash a character is super haunted like super explicitly densely haunted extremely haunted and kind of more haunted all the time and you Um, might end up haunting it yourself indeed uh you might end up being haunted yourself um you were the the kind of uh the the liminal space between like person as haunted and house as haunted is is pretty great in some spaces um there's definitely like multiple forces corporeal and otherwise that are constantly threatening to kill you and or worse um there there's like a lot going on there's multiple genres of horror operating kind of all of the time um and it's also a game that engages really deeply with helplessness uh as as an experience as and as a game mechanic uh i think in some really fascinating ways so if you don't like that you're probably gonna have a bad time right like if right. that's and if that's i not, don't yeah just right? like permission for our listeners i'm not a big horror person i love oh, yeah, reading i loved to. reading this i don't know that i would want to play this yeah. uh but I feel enriched just by reading it. But, like, What's, you know, there's no shame here for anyone that's like, oh, this is a game about powerlessness, gaslighting, violence, and sexual assault. It's not for me. Like, yes, yeah, please, know that and go for it. What's, that's mega valid. So Natalie knows a lot of my my progression with the, the, the horror genre as a close friend of mine who is a, a horror fan. That And I have, I'm a person who has tried to figure out what my relationship to horror is for like the last 10 years. Um, and Natalie has been involved in many conversations mm-hmm. of me being like, okay, I like this, but this, what does that mean? You know, right, I like yeah. this, but I hate this. Or like, what, where, what genres do that put me in? Um, because for most of my life, I hated horror. And then I think I've said this before. And then I started testosterone. And what I realized was that for me, my physical response to being afraid was not enjoyable. And then I started testosterone. And my physical response to being afraid became kind of fun. Horny. Yeah, a little (laughs) bit. Um, But I have very specific things that I like or don't like in horror. I don't like, like, I don't like horror enough. to like bad horror, right? Like I don't like horror Mm -hmm. enough to like really like, uh, and there are some things for me that are unforgivable 
in horror as they are unforgivable in other mediums. Like, I don't really like any genre enough to like it when people do things that I think are stupid storytelling. Um, one of which this game, this book does a, does very strongly. Uh, but I'm, I'm bearing the lead here. We'll get to it later because I think it, the, there's more talk about what the game actual is before, like, my, my response to all of it. But um, so I do like horror. And what's funny is that a lot of the things that I make in the world often have like an aesthetic alignment with horror that even if they don't, even if they don't follow through on that. Um, But uh, part of what I've realized is that like, part of why I like horror is because I think it's funny. I think it's funny that people are afraid of blood. I think it's funny that people are afraid of violence. I think it's funny that people like, like that these the, when you think of it in a movie context I often am laughing at everybody <laughs> involved you know like it's not it's not a I very rarely am scared by things and when I'm really scared by something that's when I'm like well oh, I don't know if that's super fun I have a thing about mm-hmm. things that move weird um and that for whatever reason it's not even like oh this is so scary that i need to run away it's that i won't sleep and i'm like it's just i'm too old to not sleep well i don't sleep well <laughs> enough as it is like i can't if i lose a night of sleep i'll feel it for weeks i just can't do this um but like a lot of horror movies i really enjoy but frequently i think i relate to horror as a subgenre of comedy <laughs> Um, and, and the same with like playing it. Like I, I would potentially play this, and there's no way that I'm not giggling my ass off through people describing, I don't know, a painting becoming ripped apart or some shit. I'm like, right, oh, yeah. Like there's just so much of it that I, like I do not associate horror and somber, right? And I think this mm-hmm. game is actually is a horror game, but I also think it's a very serious and somber game, right? And I, it's it's very much a gothic horror, I yeah. think, at its heart. Yeah, that's uh, and again, like good. while. Yeah. Yeah, while it engages with, again, with, like, a lot of different subgenres, I think that, like, at its core, and I mean, like, in the very classic, like, Castle of Otranto, like, Victorian ass, <laughs> like, re, you know, old school gothic horror, like, big creepy house, lots of ghosts, uh, potentially, you know, like... Uh, servants who may or may may not be alive and are are definitely extremely threatening and uh, the 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 man of the house is straight up going to murder you at some point like the most classic gothic horror tropes of all Um, and I think that that is both like a great strength and a great limiter for what the game both is and can do Totally. I think that's part of the big... So, like, whatever. Maybe we should talk a little bit more about what the game actually is. So, like, yes, it's a PBTA game, but, like, they're... Like, I found... I I found that the moves weren't... The moves were touch and go for me. Like, they were a little hit and miss. Like, on on a game level, I found some of them to be, like, not story forwarding and I think part of that is that like unlike how I'm used to Powered by the Apocalypse games being presented to me aka do what you want to do and when that triggers a move the move applies this game has a very strong you should pick the move you want to do right like you Mm -hmm. should you should invert that yeah and there is so there it's this very it's this very structured form of play, which I don't think, to me, is not what I associate with Powered by the Apocalypse. Not that that necessarily means anything other than I've only read a few of them, you know? Like, mm-hmm. But I don't... Um, 
yeah, it's it's much more structured than I feel like I'm used to. So it's not like just do whatever you want when you enter a room. <laughs> it's here are the couple of things that you can do when you're in a room. And one of them is to, you know, investigate the room. And one of them is to leave the room. And there's different, you know, like there, there it feels much more constrained in its scope of play. But it also speaks a lot to of games. that gothic romance of like, you're not going to read a gothic romance and have someone try to scale a wall and break totally. into a window and stuff like there. Are, and again, it speaks to these, these ideas of like, um, womanhood and women being kind of made powerless right like you don't have a lot of options as a character is in what you're gonna do you're Mm -hmm. kind of just moving through this world and having things done to you and the emotional reaction to those things is like a big part of the juice here yeah and i feel like that's it's like i i I don't say that as a dig like it's a it's a type of play that i don't always love but i do think that it is a very good like design ethos matching up with literal design mechanics you know like the mm-hmm. goal that they are going because i do think that this is it is about reinforcing that theme that you have limited options um but i do feel like for folks who are like oh i want to play a horror powered by the apocalypse game i'm like unless you want to play exclusively the fairy tale that is bluebeard's bride do mm-hmm. not use this like this game will not help you play horror the horror game you want to play that isn't that you know like there's not right, it is doing you cannot like adapt this into anything thing. other than its own thing totally yeah. it is doing it is doing a very specific thing and that is what it is designed to do and unlike i think you know you're right a lot unlike a lot of powered by the apocalypse apocalypse games which is like this is there this is kind of a mod so like and now do whatever you want with it this is like no this is doing this one thing um and you're you're kind of on a track right it's like it's not an it's not an open world it's a like very tightly level designed kind of game um which is yeah which is definitely not a bad thing it's just a very specific thing that it is doing um and it's honestly something that like i would love to it makes me want to try it like that same kind of thing, but on other fairy tales, Yes. right? Like what is the, you know, like what, what is, what are other fairy tales? Like how would you constrain a game in similar ways where those kind of limiting structures um, would reflect what that fairy tale is doing? Yeah. And I don't think we mentioned it, but this is expressly meant for one shots. Yes. There's no campaign play. You're not yes. going to advance your character. No. You're uh, not going to live. Like, I'm going to say that straight <laughs> up. Like, your character is A, not going to have a good time, and B, is not going to make it out of this. Right. And I don't I, think that's giving anything away. Right. <laughs> uh, but I do love the idea of, like, this is not a genre emulator. This mm-hmm. is a story emulator in a specific yeah. sense of, like, you know, it's like, what if instead of Apocalypse World trying to be like, you can do... Mad Max or Waterworld or whatever. What if it was just like, you will be playing A Boy and His Dog, the film version. Right, or just like, this one thing. Yeah, yeah, but given that very strict boundary still allows for a lot of interesting thematic flexibility mm-hmm. and like the specifics of the visuals are very flexible. Um, yeah, I and to be clear, that is a thing I'm always here for. Like I will yeah. always... Yeah praise a game that goes as niche and as constrained as possible because I totally think, same like I think that I think that all games are stronger when they do that you know like and that that doesn't mean it has to be this constraint like I think that's fine mm-hmm. to say I'm making a system that can be adapted to any adventure but know that this 
the system is going to dictate like the tone and style and style of play of that adventure. Like the game is going to be so strong in its focus that it will impact (laughs) the other things you patch it up with. And I feel like, and so I feel like that's, that is part of where a lot of its strengths, like to be fair, I think the game, I think this is another one of those games where I'm like, I think this game is good question. Mm -hmm. This one's harder for me, but I think this game is good question mark. It's certainly like designed well, uh, and and I do uh, like I do thoroughly appreciate its specificity. It has some world statements. It it makes some default statements about the world that I bristle at, um, mm-hmm. which I'm sure is a thing that some people you want to get into it now. You've been teasing yeah, us yeah, with yeah. these let's, things. Let's hear it. I think this game requires that you have women at the table and doesn't say that out the front. Oh. I think that I don't the game, think you're wrong. Yeah, I think the game assumes. Uh, the players are women, even though it describes itself as not. I think it assumes a lot of things about womanhood that feel really 1999 women's rights. Like, this game to me, if you told me that we found out that this is a horrible thing, but just based on reading this game, I do not know the people who made it, but if you told me that this game was from 2001 and we found out that one of them was a turf, I wouldn't be surprised. Oh, Um, interesting. there, There are some statements in here that are just, I understand where they come from, and this is totally my worldview, right? Like, this is totally my life experience coloring the way in which I'm reading this book. But I was raised by somebody who just nonstop said, women's magic, women have this power, women do this thing, here's this innate quality of womanhood. Mm -hmm. And I had to spend a decade convincing that person not to become a turf. (laughs) Um, right? Like I was raised by lesbian separatists. I was raised by people who thought that women should never, like we should remove everything that's not a woman from the world, you know? And, and this has some tonal consistencies with that. There is this, this kind of underlying basic statement about innate womanhood. And I always bristle when a book that is so much about gender wants to tell me that there's an innate experience, right? And a lot of that comes at the end of this way. I've kind of been holding off on it, but a lot of that comes at the end of the book when they're talking about like how to GM it (laughs) a little bit and how to, how to lean into that. And even some of the principles about like, it's a, there were some, I pulled out some quotes at some point, but it was just like, as I was reading it, I was like, oh, I, I, I want, I think this is a me problem. <laughs> I want to not be so bristly about it, but I am so bristly about it because I lived with it for so long. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and, and like, am a disappointment to it, right? Like my existence right. disappointed right. and betrayed that innate womanhood and the power of women and the, like all of that stuff. And so it's for sure like, my life experience that does that probably and my reaction to it is probably overreacting is really what i'm saying (laughs) other people may never see this in this book i feel a hundred percent certain that the authors are not turfs they seem like super cool people who are uh very great and like here for here for the cause um like down for the fight or whatever and so i'm not like this is not a thing that i'm actually putting on the actual literal authors but if you removed some of the language from this book and took it out of context um, and some of the statements of the book and took it out of context, I would have, oh, this person is a radical feminist from the, from the 80s and 90s. Right. Some of it mimics that. And I think, I, think that, um, I think that one thing about this game 
that I have a really hard time with is it isn't always as clear as I think that it needs to be about when it's fucking with you and when it isn't. Bye. Because, <laughs> like, because I, I, I also, like, at least am aware of all of the creators and one of whom I consider a friend and is, like, a wonderful human person, right? Like, I, I really, really admire her. Um, and I... Like I know the place. So therefore I know the place that it's coming from. I think probably even better than like the average player would. And I really wish that. I th- and, and I think that like, if you read the interviews that the creators have done, if you read the kind of, like, if you read a whole bunch of reviews, if you read like their kind of general web presence and like the other work that they've done. And if you're aware of that, I think that actually makes the game better because you understand all the ways in which the actual text is fucking with you a lot more right you're like ah this is like this is a a voice this is adapting because it is like like the game book itself is a character yes the book the, the the rules are a character the tone in which it is written is a character and not a particularly friendly one like the the book itself is adversarial to you and yes. i both really like that and also like find it i wish it was more clear like i wish there was a section Drop the somewhere yes. anywhere like a tiny part that is just like there is a monster at the end of this book but like in the in the like grover way right where it's like yeah. i'm i'm just going to here's a tiny little like isolated point where it's like this book is fucking with you we just want you to know that like a hundred percent of the time this book is fucking with you that's all you need to know carry on like i I, and like i think i think you get that and i'm actually kind of conflicted about this right because on one hand it says bluebeard on the cover <laughs> and like it's it is really upfront about what it is and and how bad it's going to be right like it's it is pretty clear i think um the that what you're going to like you're going to encounter some really horrifying very difficult things and you you know what's coming like both in the terms of like hey bluebeard is super gonna murder you by the way but also like it's it's not gonna be pleasant between now and then either um this is gonna be a very bad time in a lot of ways um and i i I don't think it does a bad job at all of being really really clear about that um so i like i'm really kind of torn on it because like do we need more but i kept like i i don't know if it's fair to say it's a failure that it doesn't have more but i do wish it did like i do personally myself wish like i'm I'm not gonna say that like objectively this is a failure i don't feel comfortable doing that but as a human person i do wish there was like a gated single line somewhere right at the beginning that was like this book is going to be fucking with you the whole time. It is also a character. 
carry on. This book is haunted, right? Like this book is as haunted as the house you're going to be in. And you need to take everything it says like it is It is a monster talking to you. And on one hand, like I do feel like it's pretty clear that there's a monster talking to you. On the other, man, there's a lot of monsters talking to us like all of the time. <laughs> I don't... And, it, whew, and it's, it's yeah. a lot. And, and I just... Like having that tiny, like I realize I keep kind of going back and forth and saying like, oh, I'm glad this is not here. And also I wish it was, <laughs> I keep, you know, like I'm, I, I know I'm really jumping between those two things and I, I really can't land on which one I think is better. Um, but yeah, I, I do, I do wish we knew. My final I, note says yeah. great prose and voice, lots of gaslighting. Yeah, I yeah. don't. I think <laughs> yeah. it's like a game book that is an objective bad to me. To me, it's yeah. not like what I can't say anything's an objective bad. Everything right. I say is subjective to me. <laughs> but like, as I think that's why I have heard in equal parts, I have heard people say, oh, I love this game. And the people who love this game are people who kind of exclusively look like Natalie. <laughs> down, down to fashion yeah. choice. It's not just a... a a general woman shape, <laughs> but like a doodle, doodle yeah, little girl, the, the like general woman shape. Who's also into horror, who also has like a history of some kind of trauma or whatever, right? Like mm -hmm. there's a very specific kind of person who really likes this book. And then I have heard a lot of people say, I had literally the worst game experience I ever had playing that game. And I think that the latter is because this game book is not here to help you play the game that the game wants to be. The book mm, is actually mm -hmm. hinders your ability to play the game, right? And I think part of right. that is because, like, we've talked about this before, but, like, the prose and the evocative nature of your of your game book is part of playing the game. It's, it's part of what helps you play the game. Mm -hmm. And this one trying to fuck with you is fucking with your ability to play a game that is dangerous. And I think that's where I don't love it, right? Because the right. game itself is dangerous. And I think making games that are dangerous is a thing we should do. Like, I'm on board mm -hmm. with that pitch, right? Like, I think right. that, like, flirting with danger is a fun thing. And I can see the value in that. I think fucking with people as they are having their expectations set for what they're getting into is not mm -hmm. great, right? Because right. there's a, there's a, if this were a person, I'd be like, you're gaslighting me and I'm trying to do something dangerous with you. And that means you're being abusive and I don't want that, right? Whereas right. like the way we set up a safe environment for people to engage in danger is to be really clear mm -hmm. about what is being set up, right? right? And I this book for sure lacks that clarity. And while I think that you and I and probably Aaron and probably a lot of people we know can can wade through that and still have the game experience that we're looking for, yes, I think probably a lot of people can't, you right. know? Mm -hmm. And it's those people who set up to play this game that I worry about more. Like, I'm not worried about it on my behalf, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm like, oh, I get it. You're doing a fun thing, whatever. I don't like the statements that you're making. But I understand that, like, some of these statements are are meant to be intentionally upsetting. Mm -hmm. um, but if somebody doesn't get that, like, it, to me, I'm like, how do you figure out if the game is triggering if reading the book is triggering? And at right. what point are you told reading this book might be triggering for these reasons, right? Like, there's no tags on this book. There's no, like, it's like, oh, it's mm -hmm. kind of hard. We're going to talk about these topics. But it's very different to say, you know, you're going to read about humiliation versus I'm going to talk to you like I'm trying to humiliate you. Those are two different right. statements and yeah. I need different kinds of consent <laughs> for them, you know? 
And the book is trying to do the latter without the check-in of the former. Right. Um, and so I don't, yeah, so I feel like quite, I feel pretty strongly about like, oh, I like that it's evocative text. It's an enjoyable read. I probably think these people could write good fiction. You know, like there's like, I have a lot of, they probably have a bunch of interesting stories in there, but as a like tool kit, there's something to to be desired for me in that. I can I can totally I I totally get what you're saying and that I think is um why I and I'll say it again like I I think you absolutely have to trust everyone at this at the table that you play with completely um and it does require probably more work than the book <laughs> no I, I I I'm comfortable saying it definitely requires more book more work than the book lets on yeah. So I think it like, and I think, to be honest, I think that like covers a lot of my difficulty with reading the book, you know, is like, a lot of it is that I feel like there's, there is so many assumptions and defaults in the book that feel like they could be, they're kind of intentionally not trying to let you know whether that's the author's belief or this character that the book is. Mm -hmm. And one of those two things I'm game for and one of them I'm not, you know, and because it's not clear to me which one of those it is Mm -hmm. as a person who like doesn't know the authors. I, I, again, I do, I do know who they are. They do seem cool. They do seem (laughs) rad. This is not, we are like removing the reality of them as like, as if I'm a person that picked this book up at a con or something, you know, was like oh the cover seems cool and i like horror and now i'm reading it and i'm like oh are these people terrible <laughs> you know and it's right. like it's like uh, but i know they aren't huh but yeah but yeah. it's it's part of that like i think that speaks to how kind of weirdly effective the gaslighting in the book is where you like are actually kind of questioning what you know about the real earth not just about the game space and i think that can be a really dangerous kind of bleed right yeah. where it's like i am i am literally being gaslit on the real earth not just in this game uh it's also that a means thing i like... guess that it's working really well but also ugh. It's also like a thing that could be avoided so easily. Like you add two pages, right? Yeah. You add two pages where you're like, this get, this book is kind of written in, it's it's kind of diegetic. There's a tone here that's to get you into the mood, that's to help you set up kind of the nature of play style we're doing. But to move beyond this page is to kind of recognize that you understand that the actual experience of this book is part of the experience of the game. And that's even like a compelling pitch, you know? Then you're like, oh, now I'm, now I'm mm-hmm. fully in. Now I want to read that book. Right. And now I want to sign up for that. I think it's the getting hit. Because that was one of my other things was like the only safety tool they mention is the X card. And the X card for me is a totally fine safety tool. Use it. It's not a safety tool that scaffolds healthy play. It's a safety no, tool, it's, right? That reacts I don't to think something big bad. <laughs> totally. And it's it's like the thing has already happened, right? Yeah. And I think for this book in particular, in this game in, in, in particular, it is deeply insu- insufficient. Yeah. Um, and again, I think I think if you have a, it's one of those things that is. I think this game expects so much of its players, and that is both a great thing and a very dangerous thing. Because right, this is it, advanced D and D. This is not your basic. <laughs> but for real, like, but for real, like this is a yeah. game for like if you are into bleed, if you're into inhabiting characters, and you have a t- group that you trust, like 
this is the game for you. If you know how to negotiate your emotional well-being and communicate that to the group that you're hanging out with. And you already have really great safety tools in place and you like know how to talk about that stuff and you feel super comfortable talking about that stuff. And there should be those games. Totally. Totally. And that should absolutely be the group that you play with. Um, But I would would definitely want to know that before going in Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh and you know i think i i had um i had really good experiences playing with this game um because for sure that is how it was introduced to me right it's like uh everybody i am playing with rad af they all prepared me for it right like i i i knew what i was signing up for and i knew how to get out of it if things were going to go sideways which let me endure what the game was going to be right and i think i think that's something we don't talk about enough when we talk about like safety mechanics in general in all kinds of negotiations like it's not just so you can avoid anything difficult it's so you can endure more difficult things right like if i if i don't know what i've signed up for and things start going away i'm going to tap out way earlier because i'm like i don't know how this is going to go right like i don't know how this is going to go i don't know how this is going to be handled and it's much better if i just pull out of this right now right if i just like call it off whereas if it's like okay i trust this person we have i we did this whole pre-negotiation thing this is starting to feel scary but i know my hard boundaries are going to be respected let's fucking go right like let's let's do this extremely difficult scary thing because i know through the difficult scary thing i'm going to be safe yeah yeah i think that like safety tools is I've talked about this before. Mm-hmm. I don't love safety tools because I think that, like, depending on the game, the tools need to change, you know? And yeah. So, like, oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. And so having a, a tool that you apply after the fact, like, you know, you have your, like, shelf of tools and your shelf of games and you're like, okay, I'm going to take this game that doesn't have safety tools built in but has, like, but I'm going to try and apply this other one after the fact. While a necessary thing, like, mm-hmm. well, it's what we have currently, you know. Right. But, but I think that it's much, especially if you're making a game like this, like, mm-hmm. as much effort should go into making the pe- people feel safe playing this game as designing the actual game, right? Like, that should be a constant right. question with the game design. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like that's, it's, that's why I don't love them is because they kind of feel like a Band-Aid stuck over a thing as opposed to something that's designed in an integrated way. Right into the game um i do however think this game really needs some lines and veils <laughs> just like right Absolutely. off the bat just no, put lines and veils in this game <laughs> i'm pretty sure that's how i played it yeah <laughs> like i'm pr- i'm pretty sure that's that like that's exactly exactly there what is, we did i actually had this like note that i wrote down because oh, there's the um the room generation stuff is very mm-hmm. cool. Right? I like it a lot. I like. I really love the keys. Oh, yeah. so I just just to for a quick description. So the um, the players who are playing the different aspects of the bride's psyche, um, one of them to kind of like indicate who has, I guess the the who has the most control at that moment, or who who is kind of like narratively in the lead. You're holding a ring of keys, and uh, you get to uh, so the the different all the players get to 
when you're about to go into a room, you describe what the key looks like. It's like, oh, this is a, it's a, it's always wet and, and dripping honey, you know, or it's, it's encrusted with jewels or it's made out of seashells, whatever you, you, as intricately as you can, you describe the key. And then the groundskeeper slash storyteller character um, uses that to build as part of what builds the room you're about to go into. Um, it's really cool. It's, it's, yeah. it's extremely, extremely cool. And, and I like it a lot. It's also one of the things that like, when I said like, oh, I love it mechanically, but I don't know if I love it like thematically. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. This is one of the mechanics that definitely, <laughs> that definitely is a thing I would pull from it like mm-hmm. the idea that yeah you give this character even just like down to this would be an awesome dungeon crawl mechanic like you have all yeah. the keys to this dungeon let mm-hmm. me know what the key looks like that fits into this door you're doing it and then i am given a table to pull all of the things together based on what you're telling me kind of in a moment you know because yeah. that's the thing so it has like the the table has the tables have like there's a list of types of rooms but then there's also um Rooms each have like a theme, right? And they're like body, motherhood, religion, sexuality. Um, This would be one of those moments where I'm like equating womanhood with motherhood. I understand that we're talking about like, this is what people are put, like so much of this is, this is what people perceive women to be. But there is a lot of that association as a a kind of truth that I think probably is about the unreliable narrative bit, but still occasionally bristles me. but as opposed to like body or sexuality, they're they're more right. universal in a way that actually doesn't bother me when you say how, what is, you know, like do something, come up with a horrible story about bodies that relates mm-hmm. to womanhood is a very different prompt than come up with a horrible, sto- horrible story about motherhood that has to do with right. womanhood, right? right? Because like all women have bodies, <laughs> yeah. you know, and it's not, so it's yeah. like it, you can shift and play within that, right? You could right. still talk about the themes of sexism as it relates to bodies and mm-hmm. then like throw transness into there, right? And I think you can throw, tran- totally. throw transness into there with motherhood either also, but that is a thing that you should only let trans people do. Um, Anyway, <laughs> this is, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, but like the room generation stuff is really cool because it has this room threats. Also, I will say that the book has all of these like, helpful handouts and pages in the back that would be that are really well done as far as like Mm, this is a game that needs tools that has like that has pages that help you actually summarize all the information in the book they are really really well done Um, yeah they're very good and i think that i think that the like the room generation in particular because it involves like very complicated like what it looks like and also there's tons of objects in it like they have to be full of stuff right and there's rules for all of that like i think that could really slow a game down uh particularly if you had like a groundskeeper or players who weren't like really quick thinking on their feet and like very comfortable with that kind of thing but the game provides a ton of support for that totally and like the thing the thing that i was thinking about when i was reading this room threats is that the room threats, so they have these four major categories, right? Body, motherhood, religion, sexuality. And then each of those has a subset that tells you kind of a, a sub-theme to pick for the room that helps mm-hmm. you describe and fill out what horror lives there, right? So for body, yeah. you have like beauty standards, disability, eating disorder, gender, illness, 
right? Right. For motherhood, abuse, estrangement, family, grief, sacrifice, religion is instruction, possession, punishment, rituals, underworld, sexuality is... Abortion, humiliation, arguably abortion should go under motherhood, but whatever. Abortion, humiliation, nymphomania, perversion, sexual violence. What this list that I just read is, is a wonderful lines and veils question, questionnaire. Totally. Yes. (laughs) Absolutely. If this game game started with, here are the ways we are literally going to build our environment, Mm -hmm. cross shit out, circle it highlight it if you're really into it, you know? Like if right. that was how we started playing this game, mm-hmm. I would be like, oh my, that's so clever. It's You already have it right there. It's literally the tools and the themes that are going to be used to generate everything on the fly. Right. Cross it out. Cross now, it out if it's a no-go. Now that you've said that, like that is how I am playing this game forever. <laughs> like that is that is 100% like now in my head, the canonical <laughs> way you set that up because because that that is great. Um, and and I think you're I think you're absolutely right. Like it's it's actually kind of a great checklist. Yeah. <laughs> like it's kind Especially of a spectacular like, checklist. I feel like a lot of Lines and Veils checklists in my experience are just like long ass lists of bad shit. And I think that's yeah. fine. But like 95% of them are never going to come up in the game that we're playing about yeah. being like chaotic goblins in space. You know, like it's just totally. like, and I think having those lists kind of catered to, again, we want like generic lists. And I understand why they exist. And I'm not, I'm not digging on anybody who used them. I use them all the time. But mm-hmm. this one has such a succinct, this is the balance of the game. These are we are we are going to use probably most of these. So let mm-hmm. us know which ones we shouldn't use because I'm literally going to look at this list in the moment when you describe that key to me and yeah. think about which one fits. And yes. in that moment, I'm going to be reminded because the other problem with lines and veils is that often you get playing and then you forget about your lines and veils list, right? Right. And, and you're like, you, fuck, yeah. Yeah. And everybody steers yourself towards something <laughs> that's mm-hmm. a line and you've all and, and then you have to like and sometimes you just forget them. Whereas this is like, I have to look at this list every time you open a door and I am reminded to avoid those topics. You know, I'm reminded mm-hmm. to avoid grief for this gaming session. And it's not going to make the game lesser. That's a long ass list. We're only here for four hours. You know, like I, you can play within one of these lists for the entire session, even if you wanted to block out 75% of the options, you know? Right. Um, but yeah, so I was like, oh, it's right there. <laughs> it's right there. Do that. <laughs> it's right there. It's so close. Yeah. <laughs> it was there yeah, the whole totally. time. Um. It is a super clever mechanic, though. Like, I'll, I'll probably. Yeah, I really love it. I really love it a lot. Um, I, I may someday make a dungeon generator based on. Based yeah, it's, on it's the room super threats. good. And it's, Did you it's, just say dungeon degenerator? I should have. Degenerator. Ooh. Uh, it's like it starts off as like all dungeons compressed, like the universe before the Big Bang, and then you're just sorting out like what it degrades meant- into. I just meant Max is a degenerate. Yeah, I was like, or it's a degenerate Ah. dungeon. And then the idea of what a degenerate dungeon is when dungeons are supposed to be gross and like full of violence. Like, what is the degenerate dungeon? Do you walk in and people are having a nice tea time and ask you to sit down and like. Hey, I'm sorry. Before you enter this dungeon, you will have it's to talk to of, the assistant manager. It's yeah. full of pillows. Like there's yeah. a there's a boba bar. <laughs> there's like a free donation treasure box. Like just take what you want. It's fine. We don't. Whatever. Okay. Now I really want to do this. And <laughs> this sounds uh, like spellbook. I leave a love spellbook. It. <laughs> this sounds like a himbo's dungeon to me. I think this. Okay. Is it's a called thing that has Take a Spellbook, Leave a Spellbook. That's 100%. what it is called. That is the title 100%. of the game you have just generated right now. Well, gotta good. Uh, add it. Add it to the list. I came back. 
strong. Listeners may not know that I lost internet, missed the call. Mm-hmm. So if I repeat anything that anyone said, it's because I think they had such a good idea. Bears repeating. <laughs> yeah. It's not because my urban you wasteland is falling apart. You may um, not notice because Natalie and I could talk forever. I love Literally it. Endlessly, I love it. Yeah. I love it. Um, did you talk about the corn font while I was gone? No. We did not feel, talk about the corn font. Feel bring the corn font. Please. I have a different font comment, and that's that at the very beginning, I'm, I'm stealing your font comment moment because your comment is more interesting than mine, and I want to end on a high. <laughs> but they, they momentarily change fonts. There is a page that has a different font, and it drives yeah. me up the wall. <laughs> And I That's don't so know funny. why it happened when I was reading the first couple pages. And I was like, I hate this. Please no. Um, talk about the corn font. Um, so you you all were talking about um, sort of the the immaculate tone and how it also is like so immaculate that it can be difficult to like yeah. kind of understand. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you're right. I agree 100%. But every once in a while behind the main words it will say like the tale starts simply enough one room in bluebeard's house is forbidden and then behind the word forbidden in kind of a ghosted gray font that reminds me of the title font of corn's album follow the leader (laughs) circa 1998 uh it just says like forbidden 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 behind it and it's real like crypt keeper shit that to me (laughs) undermines some yeah, of this 100%. and initially i was like i hate this and then the more i got into it i was like okay this is sort of uh taking me out of the book in a way that i almost appreciate like it's insulating me against the uh sort of gaslighting and it's... tone of the book and reminding me that this is artifice this is fake there's one and it's like the many ver- versions of this lurid tale are a testament to the gripping quality of what is at its core violence 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 sexuality 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 <laughs> death, death 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 and it's just like so uh it's extremely it's, cheesy and sometimes right, that's nice right yeah. and, and so well that um, is what that is what you like about horror right like that yeah. that goofy ass thing goofy i'm i'm here for goofy horror and i every time i read it i was like oh my god what is this right i want to look up the, the violence, violence violence <laughs> Cryptkeeper font, the actual. And I do want to say that, like, what what I think makes this stand out even more is this book is beautiful. It is. (laughs) Like, it is stunningly gorgeous. The art is incredible. Like, it's it's just such a physically beautiful object in all ways that these like tiny elements of goofiness like really stick out yeah. i don't know if they're intentional i don't know if they're intended to be goofy. i can't tell either i, don't, I, I genuinely do not know i genuinely I'm not do not know they're intended to be goofy uh and that kind of makes it even a little better <laughs> um <laughs> the color art is by rebecca yanovskaya and it's very um like baroque russian fairy tale art with this amazing kind of gold leaf effect um she so does a lot of art throughout, and it was the one where I was just like, I have to know who this is. Um, there's other artists, they're all listed in the credits, but she's the cover artist and the full color art inside, and it's just immaculate, amazing art. It's Yeah, it's very extremely good. Uh, and the book is like laid out in a super useful way. I mean, I just said mm-hmm. this, Aaron, we might have missed this, but all of the like sheets in the back, the summary yeah. sheets, are oh, the yeah, most so useful summary sheets I think I've ever seen in a game. It's also good because you're like, oh no, I have to read this book in a car on Interstate 94 in Minnesota, <laughs> and I have to finish it before I get home. And I have 70 pages left, but the final 20 pages, 
useful sheets. You don't have to read those. Oh. You don't yeah, have to read them, so. that's true. If you it's ever like, thank you, deadline. useful sheets. Yeah, yeah. I'm not a, a mechanical note. You don't need stats in this game. Oh, uh, I liked that there were three stats. I liked that it only goes minus one to plus one. And I like that most of the moves don't use them. But then sometimes you do have to roll an out of stat. And it is, to me, it raised the stakes a little bit. Again, like purely personal. Um, and we started talking about moves. I did just want to pull out my favorite move. It's from the Viper playbook. Um, one of the basic moves is care for a servant. Um, and you're kind of you know trying to rub press the flesh with the hoi ploy when you care for a servant but the viper has when you care for a servant by poisoning them with your lies they (laughs) choke on your words and die and that is just like it's an amazing move it's dense it's flavorful uh there's so much going on there so all the i think all the like the the playbooks themselves are like the aspects of the character are all kind of like like messed up feminine archetypes, yes, absolutely. you know, like I, I think we've said, or at least we've gestured toward that, but I just wanted to say it like very explicitly that it's like, you know, there's like the fatal, there's the virgin, there's like, so it, they're all these like deliberately, I think, grotesque and ill-fitting archetypes of like what femininity is supposed to be. Defined um, by people outside of. Defi- yeah, def- defined by people outside of femininity and then kind of all shoved into one person. <laughs> Uh, kind of trying to help and also kind of fighting each other. Um, and I do think that that kind of like battle of the archetypes, uh, none of which actually work or fit, is pretty interesting. Yes. I think that, yeah, I think the archetypes are, it's super, it's so, I can't not read this book in through the lens of having read Blood Feud, which I realize is not super helpful because Natalie hasn't read Blood Feud. Um, but like, Blood Feud does this thing where it is trying to make you complicit in a way that makes you understand the way you're complicit in the real world in gendered violence. Mm-hmm. And and part of the reason it's so smart is because it does it really well. Like, the game mechanics are all designed to, like, make you be a shit. And then you leave and you're like, why am I good at being a shit? Or, like, I hated that. In, yeah. what ways, <laughs> in what ways have I done that in other moments in my life or whatever? And this doesn't have the same strong viewpoint. So this is one of the other things that I kept coming up against. And maybe this, and maybe this is also answered by like the the book being an unreliable narrator. Narrator um, is like the book feels like it wants to give you this this kind of innate, undeniable evilness of men via one man mm-hmm. but it's not really doing that it has a lot of it has a lot of like everyone's bad and i think sometimes that's mm-hmm. where it loses me a little bit and that's why i say only coming off of something like blood feud only coming off of something that's so like we've made all this game and made all these layers to make you interrogate what's like really bad in the world and this is like everyone is bad <laughs> actually mm-hmm. um which is very interesting in the framing of this guy is evil <laughs> this mm-hmm. is an undeniable villain but also every character you play is an asshole who's probably going to undercut everybody else who's like 
the the so to talk about moves i hate caressa horror i would exile it from my game instantly i think it is a terrible move <laughs> i have very strong feelings this is the one part that i was like i have very strong feelings about this move i hate this move and i think i hate this move because of how it is described and exampled throughout the book mm-hmm. i do not necessarily know that i hate this move um of its own like the title of it i love <laughs> just my yeah. life right like that's just it's fine do we um, want to read it i mean i'm happy to read it to yeah i was trying to find the page yeah i have it here in front of you um so one caress a horror is a ring move ring moves can only be done by the playbook the psyche the aspect kind of in control in narrative control in the moment mm-hmm. um, another very cool mechanic yes. so that is you know some context uh caress a horror when you caress a horror roll plus blood on a hit. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. That's very good. Uh, when you caress a horror, roll plus blood. On a hit, uh, the horror is swayed by your stroke. Direct what was intended for you to another victim in the house. On a seven to nine, it will shift its attention, but only if you participate in some way. And the way it is described in the book, or the way it is exampled in the book, is always sexual violence. Mm. And I hate it. I didn't put that together. And it, and maybe, maybe it's not always. Maybe it just was more than once. Um, and it, and what I hate about it is that there, there is the, the description is something like this character is going to do a sexual violence to you, and the book, the 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 move says don't do it to her instead. Yeah. And I just am like, you know, I just one, I don't. I don't. I mean, it's not that I'm against the the like the idea of having sexual violence as a theme that is present in the game. I don't love that the game really wants you to go into deep description of sexual violence, and that this move kind of exists there to often help you describe and or make sexual violence more present in the game. Um, and part of this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on a tangent. I'm going to go on a media tangent for a hot second. And I think that maybe one, maybe both of you have heard me go on this media tangent. But um, I like, I think that when you're dealing with a book that is already asking so much of its players, you kind of know who you're talking to. And when you know who you're talking to and your audience is kind of, it's not niche, but it's, it's demographic, you know, like it's not like it's a small demographic being like women or like people who have trauma or whatever. It's like a lot of people, but you're kind Quite of a large it, demographic. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like the book is having an in conversation. Right. And mm-hmm. the, it's like it's constantly an in conversation. And so like the threat of violence often, I think, can be more horrific than the actual violence. And I think sometimes when we're writing, and this is not, whatever, these all have their place. The thing that I prefer, I'm thinking about this, I'm thinking about this movie Hollywood, (laughs) or not movie, TV show Hollywood, which is like a queer retelling of like Hollywood's heyday. Um, And and it's a bunch of queer and trans people, um, primarily people of color um, in, in Hollywood. And and it does this really interesting thing where it tells these stories and adds a bunch of tension. And you're like, oh, my God, that person's going to do this act of violence. And then it doesn't. It looks away. It doesn't happen. 
And what it means is that as the viewer, as the like person participating in the media, you have this like, oh my God, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. I'm so tense. I'm so awkward. I really fucking don't want it to come. And then it doesn't. And you're like, oh. And it's this like totally unique experience. And it has changed. I'm only describing that. I'm not saying this book should employ that tactic. I'm saying it's this weird thing where when watching it, I was like, oh, this is the first time where I felt like the people who made this show are speaking to queer people because I don't think that straight people would see that violence coming. I'm sure this is I'm sure this is even layered um, into the experience of people of color. Right. But like for Mm -hmm. me, it was like I'm watching a lot of trans people. As when you're speaking to a trans viewership, we know the violence is coming. It's ever present. It is constant in our lives. And as opposed to this show spending a bunch of time depicting the violence that trans people experience, it just has this in conversation with people knowing that it's always present. So you aren't relieved from the tension, but you are kind of relieved from the trauma of it. And I get that this book is always trying to dig deeper into the trauma. There's just something about the active descriptions of sexual violence that give me the squiggies. <laughs> not that, like, which I realize is not a statement. Like, of course it gives you the squiggies. It should always give you the squiggies. But, like, I just, there's something about, like, making descriptive sexual violence a central part of your game that feels a little weird. It's the well, descriptive a, element right. that and I think I'm trying to It's a at. central part right. of the game book because yes. it says, it, it relates that move, and then it says, here's an example. And then in the example, it has that sexual violence. It is and not in the implicit. long example at the end, they do it again. Right, right. And, and so it's like, but it, it's like in these versions of the game that they are relating to you, but it's like not inherent in the mechanics or, or text of the rules instructions. Like, again, it's so hard to pull apart what is the game, what is the game text, blah, 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 blah. But it is, um, yeah, I don't know. It's just a strange dichotomy there of like, what is the game? And are they, you know, obviously they're modeling they someone, an editor, multiple writers involved, someone chose to model those things in their explanations of the rules, despite those things not being implicit in, in the, the rules, rules themselves. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah. It's really weird. I think, like, if I, if I can respond to your tangent with yeah. another tangent. Um, <laughs> I knew this was going to be this episode, though. There's no way we can't. <laughs> this is one of those, like, you can't talk about this without talking about the thematics we and the way it interacts are with the world. a disgusting oh, yeah. leafless tree growing from a seed of blood, branching into different tangents. Um, I think... So you're talking about kind of uh, blood feud saying, like, let's model this thing that we all kind of participate in indirectly or or directly or drawn into in a way to like kind of undermine that in the real world or to understand it in a limited arena that will then help us understand it in the greater arena of life. Um, I don't, I was not drawn to compare this to blood feud. Like this is such a different thing. The horror is it's trying to cast you in the position of this bride who like by definition is an old fashioned fairy tale bride who lives a very limited life and does not have this greater understanding of misogyny, the history of marriage as a system of ownership, stuff like that. And so to me, it's a much more like personal, psychological, uh, you got blinders on, you can only see a few ways out. And so this move of caressing a horror um, by giving it as a ring move that only one person can do, it's almost 
implicitly like a regretful thing. Like this person's in charge and they choose to move this violence onto someone else. I'm going to get the ring after that. And I'm going to be so mad at the person that caressed this horror and inflicted this violence and maybe participated in it that I might like then try to backpedal. And I appreciate how that creates a sense of like, I, uh, in real life as a human, like have done things I've regretted and then like come to a different part of myself and thought that was fucked up. Like, why did I do that? I, I, I did not want to do that. And you know, mine, my sins are hopefully not as great as caressing horrors and uh, shunting violence on other people. But the in creating, again, in creating these narratives um, that are more fairy tale and less analogous to real life, but still kind of psychologically fraught, um, mm-hmm. I think the game does such a good job of saying, I just did that. I am the bride. I just did that. I am the part of the bride that regrets doing that. Am I now in a position where I want to make up for that? Do I apologize? Do I try to leave the room in shame? Um, I think it just does a great job of of splitting those feelings up and and reflecting how we compartmentalize things. You know, in a if if I am a bride, I might do this thing in, in position of a bride. But if I am coming to this as someone who wants to relate to these uh, people that are working on as groundskeepers. I might later regret that and realize that I was utilizing class privilege or whatever. Yeah, and I think that's totally fair. I think for me that I think it like I do think that I don't actually hate the move. I just have this like initial response of I hate the move because it's described so explicitly yeah. about sexual violence, like Multiple because times. it's followed right. by descriptions of sexual violence that I don't need when I'm reading a game book. One, like I never need that in a game book. There is never a moment in which I need to be hit with here is a here's a vivid description of sexual violence, even if sexual violence is a theme of the book. I that goes back to that like. Right. You didn't get my consent when I started reading this book to throw right. that at me. Right, to um, gaslight me this whole time, yeah. Yeah, and then make me like confronted with a thing that I don't really want to spend any time reading. Because I probably wouldn't play this game with sexual violence. I understand that sexual mm-hmm. violence is like an ever-present threat and obviously so gendered, right? Like it's obviously mm-hmm. so tied into trauma and and gender and power dynamics and violence that like I think to... You know, it's not like I'm trying to remove its existence. I would like to remove its existence from the world, but like, it's it's also not a thing that I think I ever want to I ever want to play with. You know, right? Uh, and and so there's something about it being directly the move itself. I'm like, yeah, sure, make people complicit, make people regret things. Uh, I think that's a that's a totally that makes sense in the context of the game i think i think also no i i i think your 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 squigglies are extremely valid (laughs) first of all um but secondly i i do i do really like how the game has all these little sharp points that prevent the players from utilizing teamwork in their terrible situation yes. Yes. right like every everybody is like everybody is in a bad situation right like the staff every, everything is very bad for them the monsters haunting this house things are very bad for them the different aspects of the bride's psyche like everybody is in a bad place and the game like any monster in power is hyper aware that there are many more of them <laughs> than there are of the monster right there's a bluebeard and there's a lot of other stuff going on here. Um, 
And the game, like, constantly finds ways to kind of undermine any ability that you might have to work together, either as, like, as players, as a coherent mind, whatever. Um, and I think that that did, in a really, like, it feels really bad, but, you know, the, the mechanic is really good in a way that... Uh, is deeply troubling and again i think important but like deeply troubling um in all of the ways that that kind of like hyper gendered power driven violence is not doesn't even need to be immediately present to be working right that that it it the threat of it is enough to make other people do horrible things to each other just to try and escape it right it's like that it's like that 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 moment in 1984 where it's like i will wish this horrible thing on the person i love the most just so it won't happen to me and the funny like funny it's not funny the interesting thing about this game you know you're reading the mechanics and it's like oh you can take this trauma on your own or you can share it and i was like oh teamwork you can share the trauma you can spread it out but no, sharing minute. the trauma just means if I take three trauma and I decide to share it, we all take three trauma. Right. Yeah. It's not. It's not reduced. Right. right. It's just and it's like. And it's such a good, great representation of like, oh my my persona as the the strong one, the aggressive one, gets really hurt. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that spreads to kind of all my other senses of myself as well, right. and it is not lessened in any way. No, um, that is in fact that is in fact really bad. <laughs> yeah. I think I think I, I said something while we were I went I almost said off camera, but I'm like off mic. <laughs> um, but same sort of thing, which is like I think there is a particular kind of experience you have playing this game. If you have been in any kind of intimate relationship with someone else where the where that person killing you or doing you serious harm was actually a, a real threat was a possibility. It was not a surprise, right? Yeah, it was yeah, and and was was kind of a like whether it was omnipresent or whether it was like came up occasionally, whatever it is, it's like I am I am deeply connected to another person who is capable of doing me vast quantities of harm. I think that you do have a very different experience playing this game than if you have not had that experience, right? Like if you if you've never sort of been in uh of, and I, I don't I, I I am not at all saying one is better than the other, um, but I do think it's different, right? If you're kind of revisiting those places of like, oh yes, I remember this helplessness. I remember this kind of like uh, how limited these options are and how all of them are bad. I think that that is a different different play experience with very different outcomes. Um, than if you have never had those feelings and you are exploring them for the first time. Uh, and I think that there's this this game is for sure trying to make room for both of those possibilities, whether it's like, hey, this is a this is a cathartic, relatively safe place for you to re-explore some of those feelings um, and be safe at the end of it, uh, versus like you probably have not had this experience. Uh, would you like to, to as a kind of like broadening of empathy or whatever? Like, would you like to have an experience you haven't had before? Um, and I do admire the fact that both of those are possible and both of them are kind of like effective in different ways. I wonder how, I'm curious as to how effective they are. Not, I, 
because largely because when I was like reading the GM thing, all I could think was like, I don't think there's a man in the world that would be enjoyable to play this with, with them as the groundskeeper. Like, I just am not no, convinced I can't imagine that, that I can't, that would I ever be an okay experience, yeah. right? Because mm-hmm. so much of the groundskeeper advice is here's how to be a shitty asshole man. <laughs> Uh, pretty much, but like in practice, right? Like right. here's the literal guide to, which is so funny because like it's not comparable to Blood Feud. It's just that Blood Feud is like in my mind still, whereas mm-hmm. Blood Feud is literally here's how to be a terrible man. The game, um, and there's some, and I feel like that the specifically to the groundskeeping advice is like here's a literal list of actions you can take uh, in order to be a piece of shit right, to like, make them to make if the, the writers worse. have not experienced this directly they definitely went deep on the research and mm-hmm. are aware of all of these dynamics and how to fuck them and uh it's impressive in its accuracy and like a little scary <laughs> yeah i mean i think that's part of like i think that is part of the experience of being a person who's experienced trauma, right? Is like, you don't have to do the research. But um, the, yeah, I do. I, yeah, it was just like the entire time I was reading it, I was like, I think, I think that's part of way my statement at the beginning where I think it assumes like non male players at the very least for that groundskeeper role. Mm-hmm. Um, because I can't imagine. I just can't imagine the bleed of identity in that moment being an enjoyable experience for anybody. Uh, right? Like, I can't imagine the the man in the world who, whether or not, if they are a man, in an adult man in the world, <laughs> has probably participated in this from that position of power in some way in there. That doesn't make them terrible. It just means they're a man in the world, right? But, like, mm-hmm. and that, and that, and then, like, reusing that for a fun game experience while not right, inviting actually being them to recreate yeah. Right, yeah without having to like experience because like the, the a little bit of the groundskeeper versus like the brides is like there's a little bit of consequence and like action and consequence thing happening right like there there's a lot more consequences obviously on the bride characters or like the psyche characters and so there is this like with the groundskeeper you're kind of devoid of consequence right you right? can't like you're not experiencing the, the horror keeper. or whatever yeah, yeah. um <laughs> make it somebody make a hack of bluebeards that lets you kill the gm um <laughs> I'm looking i'm looking at you gem room games um yeah i do I, like i do i honestly like this is another one of those things where i'm like i would actually play i would play this with the right people i think i would have actually quite a bit of fun with the mm-hmm. right people. I think if it was like taken into like horror media vibes and less psychotherapy trauma session, right? Because I think that's what you're kind of describing is like, I think this game could yeah. be played as a horror movie that you're experiencing. So a fun, scary experience, right? Or it could be played as a therapy session with your friends. Mm-hmm. And those are two different games <laughs> and I'm yeah. here for one of them and I'm not here for the other one because well, I... it, it does mention Crimson Peaks in like the Appendix N uh, list of recommended media. And so to me, that is the very fun uh, side of the spectrum, right? Yeah. Of like, yeah, 
oh, we live in an old mansion that mines blood out of the ground. And it's like very heightened metaphors. And there's some intense personal stuff there, but it's also like, uh, you know, things are kind of blown up in a big crypt keeper way and not necessarily about like our personal records of harming others and harming ourselves. Um, and so I think the game, as we describe the game often, as inflexible so far, there is enough flexibility in it that I think it could speak to that yeah. desired experience. And I do think that it is like mechanically really compelling. Mm-hmm. Like I, yes. I just I want to go on record that I think this is one of the more interesting mechanical games. Like there is more interesting game design in this game than most of the games we read. So while everybody is hearing me having my trans panic response to it in in this episode, there is that is my shit. You know, like that's. <laughs> That's I am exploring my trauma while we read this book. So and the book asked me to, so I'm doing it. But and every, unfortunately, that means every, it's everybody's problem now. But uh, I mean, the book did ask. Like it did. did ask. Do, it did do this. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but that's like that is just so much my read, right? And like I think that I think that it is. I think that there is so much interesting thematics in there, and there is so much interesting game design in there. Um, that like. You know, I, I, I mirror what Aaron said about being, like, changed, <laughs> right? Like, it is, like, yeah. there is a, I, I will never, this is one of those books that I'm, like, I'm never not going to think about it when I'm thinking yeah. about games or the way they are designed. And even on, like, a system level, you know, like, I do, having the, the ring, having somebody be actively in control of things moving and then having people be, like, passively in control. I was going to say one of my favorite mechanics in this is that when one of the when one of the mines shatters, they become a pseudo GM assistant yes. for the yeah. rest of yeah. the game, good. which good. I love. It's I so love good. That so much. Every like horrifying emotional experience game I have ever played uh, that I have loved the most has incorporated some element of that um, into it. Like I, I, I played another game, which is sort of like all the character. I completely forget what it was called. It was a parlor LARP where um, you're all kind of on this uh, this like sci-fi game show where you know at the end of each short round somebody is getting off voted off the island by which they're being executed (laughs) right so like you've always you've all been convicted of a crime for which you're going to be executed and you have like the length of your round to convince everybody else that like either you're innocent or you shouldn't die or whatever and if everybody decides you failed the most you die but when you die you go into like kind of the like boardroom slash studio audience and you get to decide what like horrible things happen to oh, everybody very else. Good. Very and good. it's amazing. Like that's fun. Like being in the game is harrowing and terrifying and like this very, very bad experience. And then as soon as you get to be like in the studio audience slash like behind the cameras, like it's a, the stakes are totally different now it's a blast and i loved the version of that that we get here where like you know you you get kind of absorbed into the horror and And like become complicit into it yeah a really cool meta level of like oh you voted me off now i am in the control of what happens to you potentially and i think it's similar in here too of like with the ring like if someone makes a decision and everyone's like, no, no, please don't. And you're like, I have the ring. I'm just going to do it. In making that strong decision, the ring 
almost always passes to someone else. Yes. And then they get to say, you did this. I'm now going to act in like direct opposition to it. Or right. you shattered me. I'm going to ruin you now. Right. Yeah. Meanwhile, like... you're all the same person and you are just kind <laughs> right. of like hurting yourself every time. Which and... is real. Like the, every t- day totally. I wake up and ruin myself. In yeah. our... Every day we all wake up and choose violence, right? Yeah. <laughs> I like that you can also like, if you voluntarily give the ring away, you become protected from harm until the yes. ring moves on from another person. So you can kind of do a like, I'm doing a terrible thing. Your problem now, I'm untouchable, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> Uh, I have yeah. the immunity totem or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. Yeah, totally. yeah, yeah. I definitely think that like the, the, yeah, it's like very impressive on a mechanical level. And therefore mm-hmm. I'm like, I want to figure out a way that I play it. And I would be curious about some of the extended play materials. Cause I know there's been a lot more made for it since this book came out, which we're not going to talk about, but like, yeah, I don't, I, do, I don't have I'm, most I'm of willing the like to... extended universe, but it yeah. seems extremely cool. I'm willing to bet that also some of my, like, difficulties might have been addressed in later books. You know, like, often with, like, the first version of a book or whatever, it's, there's, like, things that can get addressed. I guess, I guess, you know, you know what it would have done it? I was thinking a lot about when we were reading Apocalypse World and everybody has the problem with the sex moves. But the framing of the sex moves where, where they put in the book, if a player doesn't want the sex move that you're proposing to happen to their character, it doesn't happen, figure something else out, right? And there's that moment of player-player check-in, Right? right, and I think it's so smart, and I think this 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 is how I would play this anyway, and I'm sure that it's the way it actually gets played. But I think it's so smart when game books are like, we can separate player and character for moments where we can get deeper into hard things, or deeper into potentially difficult things, or deeper into intimate things, by check just doing a little check in. Just hey, are you okay if I go hard right here in this moment? You know, yeah, and yeah. the opposing player being like, "Yeah, do it, bud." Right? Like it's yeah. like that check in is usually what. It's not even just that those check ins confirm that we have consent. Those check ins are often the things that indicate that we are a person who is willing to discuss consent. You know, like there's like totally. those check ins do this a, a reinforcement in multiple levels that I think a are really duty. good. Yeah. yeah, that I think a For lot sure. of that I think most of this book is probably where that would sit like just that line at the beginning that's like yeah you should be probably regularly checking in with the human people you're sitting with a hundred percent and again like i I, like i said earlier it's not just that it prevents harm but it lets you do more when you're like hey do you want to like are we gonna go here and it's like yeah let's fucking go like that you so many more interesting things happen as a result like as a result of that checking in, I think, I think you're completely correct. And I think that, um, like, I think this is a book that is assuming a lot of that is going to happen anyway. Um, and just kind of chooses to like at the, at the cost of, at the cost of making all of that explicit, like, hey, you actually have to do this, it chooses to stay in character. Yeah. And I'm not sure that that is the choice I would have personally made. Um, but it is the choice that this book makes. Um, yeah. So before I, like, I would only ever play it with people who were going to bring all of their own safety structure and scaffolding with them to it. Yeah, totally. But within that, it's incredible. I definitely read this book and was like, this is just a kink scene. What this is setting up, like, I'm surprised that so many people bought it because what they bought is a book for kink. 
This is because it's the same. It's often the same framing, right? It's like it's not as physically embodied as, the, as a cake scene, but it is the we're going to explore some stuff that you might have a personal relationship to that is hard. And we want to, like, you know, engage in in reenactment of some of those really hard things in order. But it's but it's a thing you want to do, right? Like you want to actively. How do you negotiate actively reenacting something you might have a traumatic relationship to is the big question often between kink and also this game, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can also tell that whatever the book like uses kink imagery a lot. Um, so it's not. It's I described don't... more in Bluebeard's kink, which is an expansion. <laughs> that's yeah. your the expansion. Yeah. That's the, that's the other, the fanfic that Chuck, Chuck. I mean, Kingle's we've had Bluebeard. this conversation before, right? It's like RPGs and kink are just the same thing. Like, <laughs> Max, please change that to the theme song of the show. Yeah. Also, we'll start like, with that. They just are I... though. Um, and I, yeah, I just bring it back to that, right? Where it's like so much of this is in the exact same way. It's like I would never do most of this unless it was with somebody I trusted with whom I had talked about it in advance, in which case, yes, absolutely. And that applies more to this book than I than a lot of books. Um, and it is more true for it than a lot of books also. Yeah, especially because this book does a thing. This is one of those things where, like, this book does a thing that includes sexuality, and so few books include sexuality, and I want more books to include sexuality, but also the way this book includes sexuality is part of the reason I bounced off it so hard when reading it. Uh, so it's whatever, it's a fine line. Um, but, like, because it does, it it gets even closer, I think, to, to being, like, a legit kink scene. This is like, if you played this game on the internet, you are potentially engaging in phone sex. You should potentially negotiate having your phone sex with your friends. I think you should have phone sex with your friends if you want to do that. But like, you're getting close to it. At the point at which you're describing all these things that are happening to you from somebody else or that you're doing to somebody else. Because one of the other things is like, the GM is encouraged to describe very against what we now consider like normal game etiquette to actively describe the feelings of another character you know Mm -hmm. like the this is what you're feeling i think is a thing we don't active we don't usually put in a lot of games like your body is doing this is not those are boundaries that we don't usually break and obviously for all the reasons we've already talked about it's very intentional um here but i could see it being sultry in a (laughs) way do we're at like I mean, we're so my, long. I my know. call dropped, and so, so I don't know the exact time. But we are going long. Do we, we are need? Going long. Do we want to? Do we want to be done? We uh, do we want to finish on Max saying this is sultry? <laughs> it could be. It could be sultry. <laughs> it could be. Could be. There's the potential there. Yeah. No. I. I. I'm. I feel like we have. I feel like we have talked about a lot of things. Um, other than, and I. I, I feel like we did it justice for sure. Um, and it's always one of those things where it's like, have I encouraged people to play this game or discouraged people from playing this game? Yeah, I, I literally no cannot tell. I hope um, we encourage people to read this game. Yeah. I um, think yes. As we game. have all said, like playing it, Question do it if mark. you feel like you can. Don't yeah. do it if you feel any doubts about it. But like, mm-hmm. it's absolutely readable because of the tone. There's great mechanical insights yeah. and innovations. Um, and, and if, if you, you want to avoid the descriptions of sexual violence, don't read after the Caressa Horror 
move and don't read the example at the back. But then you kind of miss a lot of them. So like, yeah. it's a safer experience if you just cut out those two sections. And you know what you're getting into. If you've listened to this podcast, you know what you're getting into with the book. And so I feel like it could do the thing we think is missing in the book. Yeah. yeah. We provide that service. Um, um, but yeah, I never know whether or not we've dissuaded or we'll do a we'll do a poll in the Discord. Are you going to read or play? Well, and we'll do we'll do the it? we'll do the season finale oh, where good. we rank this as our number one game at Strong. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Play. Well, it is Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, which is my favorite game. So right, okay, there extremely we go. advanced. We're done right now. <laughs> we are going to talk about other media similar to this or giving good vibes, not good vibes, <laughs> giving similar vibes. Um, Max, you're first on my list that I did not share with any of you. So, Cool. Uh, I was going to recommend Mexican Gothic by Silvia Moreno-Garcia. It's extremely good um, and has like very strong uh, gothic horror vibes. Like it's here is a big haunted house. I'm going to investigate this big haunted house and there is a man trying to kill me or whatever. Like it is, it is this, um, but it is, and it is intentionally knowingly this, but with some twists that are uh, good in fact. Cool. Uh, I'm here for the works of Carmen Marie Mikado. Uh, Her Body and Other Parties is a collection of short stories. In the Dream House is like a gothic horror memoir. Um, which involves sort of haunted houses that are your body and trauma and abuse. Uh, but her work is amazing. Find it in whatever, for- whatever form you can. And uh, if this is your vibe, I think she's there for it. Um, I am going to uh, recommend um, an opposite game and uh, and then a game that doesn't exist yet. Um, but which I am, I am extremely I'm so uh, curious, extremely excited about. Um, the first one is I, I want to recommend the Night Witches, which is a bully, uh, bully pulpit game. Uh, this is the opposite game. Um, it is about uh, women who are fighter pilots during the Second World War. And uh, it is all about being outside and in the sky <laughs> and having power and in a lot of ways uh, physically destroying men, um, which I feel like would be a, a very nice palette cleanser. <laughs> and also for, like exploring uh, for femininity, after right? Because you have like a civilian identity as Yeah, well. exactly. There's there's like a lot of things, uh, a lot of things going on there. And um and for the game that doesn't exist yet, I, I really need to, uh, I'm so amped about The Longest Rest um, oh, yeah. by Jayon Shim, uh, which is, uh, w- was, is, was on Kickstarter and was also funded in like 15 minutes or something. Um, that is, it is about the tavern at which your adventuring party takes a long rest. Um, but it is not a good rest and there are very bad things in the tavern and it looks horrifying and wonderful and uh, I love their games so much so again while it while it is not currently out on the earth yet um, it, it gives me it gives me a vibe it gives me a spooky house vibe that I think uh, is going to be very different but um, very 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 worthy of all the spooky creepy things and a bunch of like amazing artists attached. Oh to that my god, incredible well. art. Yeah. Just just inc- incredible art. I am I'm am super yeah, mega I, amped about it. I can't wait. I definitely backed it. I was like, yep, this will be Hopefully I will be in a physical space 
close to one of you to play that. Oh, I thought thought you were going to say you are currently disembodied. Uh, Also that. I am currently disenfranchised, so couldn't. Uh, It is, it is, uh, so hey, a cool thing about being somebody who writes for a living means you get a lot of money very rarely. Um, (laughs) It's just like, this is my life. It's pretty cool. So I'm currently in between that happening uh, and have been for a little while and could not back this incredible thing and i am looking forward to very very soon having money again uh and being able to do so uh i love i love that i love that freelance swoop oh yeah it's great it's great it's great it's not it's not unlike being an adventurer where like you show up and it's like here's your loot it's like sweet i have a couple of months of like eating all in the all of the finest taverns yeah, <laughs> and getting Natalie all gets of my one xp per canadian exactly dollar. and getting like all my shit fixed and then it's like uh-oh <laughs> better go kill some goblins again because uh all my bills are still here <laughs> gotta, gotta eat uh, do you want to tell people one more time how they can help you kill some goblins and absolutely you some if you XP? would like if you would like to help me level up, uh, my my book is called Hench. I've heard it's quite funny. Uh, it is about about people who work for supervillains and uh, does indeed contain quite a bit of body horror. Amazing. It does. There is mm-hmm. there is a there is a descriptor at one point in there that is you'll know it when you get there. It's oh good. yeah. Max it's felt chef, squiggy. Chef's kiss. I did. I did feel squiggy about it, but ah. it, it was a good squig. Um, if you want to hear more about our good squigs, you can join our Discord. <laughs> uh, my last note here says, next time on RTFM, who even knows? Yeah, we don't. <gasps> wow. Ooh. We don't know. We've <laughs> Somebody been... knows, but we've, we've both, both been, been like working on a bunch of things, doing weird travel stuff. I am like, I had to leave my house for a day, and now there's just sheetrock and all sorts of strange places in my home. We're in a weird space here, folks. We will have an episode in two weeks. I will say I, it will be one of a few things, but I did receive, wait, this may not be it, but I did receive my fancy special edition copy of Apocalypse Keys yesterday. Oh, shit. Ooh. And it is on our list for the season. We just haven't figured out when in the season. So yeah. I might put that one forward because, oh my God, do I want to, I have. I think I literally never receive a thing in the mail and then have an excuse to sit down and read it. It's always like sit somewhere on a shelf for four months and then I pick it up again. But we also uh, have a proposed guest for that episode who is one of my most respected RPG industry Yeah, we'll have to ask them about it. Yeah. Yeah. That's why it's a big up in the air. But there are other. I'm just saying. I just. I got thought you were going to say there. you got your Ghostbusters box set, and we are going to do Ghostbusters. <sighs> oh heck time. yeah! I can't find Ghostbusters anywhere, oh. but I'm working on it. Um, but yes, there you get a little. There we can't tell you what's going to be next, but we can tease some of the things in the future. <laughs> I hope Bustin makes you feel good. Wow! Wow! <laughs> wow! Wow! Those sure are some words. <laughs> you, you said out loud that it'll be recorded. That's In what I'm order. changing. That's what I'm changing the beginning of the, the podcast to. Natalie Perfect. will sing and then Aaron will say, I hope Bustin makes you feel good. <laughs> now on uh, to this particular game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Aaron, do you have a quote for us? No, well... So I don't have a quote from the book, but while we were talking about the Crypt Keeper, I did Google Crypt Keeper's <laughs> best jokes. 
Oh my god, incredible. That is so off theme. Please do this. So the Crypt Keeper is the host of Tales of the Crypt, from the Crypt. Oh my god. Um, from? I think but there, from. there's like there's there's this history, right, of like hosting horror movies and horror shows. And there's always someone hosting and they like make some funny jokes and it goes back to like nineteen fifties EC comics and like DC House of Mystery comics and stuff, and there's always just like weird puns and uh weird I don't know most of them are bad and so i found a really good one and it's going to start with me saying knock knock but i need you not to answer because i actually have to say something that is not who's there and so i just need complete devoted silence wonderful we will never speak Fantastic. and i don't know what the crypt keeper sounds like but i'm going to try to do a crypt keeper voice <laughs> take it away my brain is so fried right now all right let me get into the character of the crypt keeper Okay, I'm in the character of the Crypt Keeper now. Oh my god. Knock, knock! Who's scare? And then I swear to god, the answer that it gives for the Crypt Keeper's best joke is a dead bride! <laughs> that's a terrible joke! Right, I don't get it at all, but it seems to fit the book, right? It's like. That's yeah. how the book ends as well. The game. I ends. had to mute my mic because of the noise I made. Right. Okay. <laughs> I thought you were going to say because I fried the levels. It was way too. <laughs> no. Good day. Good oh, day, wow. sir. 